Psalm 83, a song, a psalm by Asaph. God, don't keep silent, don't keep silent, and don't be still, God. For behold, your enemies are stirred up. Those who hate you have lifted up their heads. They conspire with cunning against your people. They plot against your cherished ones. Come, they say, let's destroy them as a nation, that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. For they have conspired together with one mind. They form an alliance against you, the tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites, Moab and the Hagrites, Gebel, Ammon and Amalek, Philistia and the inhabitants of Tyre. Assyria also is joined with them. They have helped the children of Lot. Selah. Do to them as you did to Midian and to Sisera, as to Jabin at the river Kishon, who perished at Endor, who became as dung for the earth. Make their nobles like Oreb and Zeb, yes, all the princes like Zeba and Zalmunna, who said, let's take possession of God's pasture lands. May God make them like tumbleweeds, like chaff before the wind, as the fire that burns the forest, as the flame that sets the mountains on fire. So pursue them with your tempest, terrify them with your storms, fill their faces with confusion, that they may seek your name, Yahweh. Let them be disappointed and dismayed forever. Yes, let them be confounded and perish. Let them, let that they may know that you alone, whose name is Yahweh, are the most high over all the earth. Okay, short little psalm. And that was the last of all the psalms of Asaph. This one would seem to be written by the later Asaph. I've talked a few times about Asaph wasn't just one person. Asaph's more like a band or like a choir. So when we say a psalm by Asaph, we're talking about that choir or that group. And, um, you know, there was an original person called Asaph. He was the early Asaph. And when I say the later Asaph, I'm not sure if it's like one person later who wrote a, some, some psalms or whether there were different people who just were in the band of Asaph. In any case, this is one of the later ones. So... We know that because it goes and talks about all the enemies of Israel. It, it says, Lord, the enemies have risen up against you. And it goes and lists a whole heap of these enemies. And one of the enemies is Assyria. Assyria wasn't an enemy until much later, um, well after the time of the original Asaph. So this is, this is written, seems pretty clear, by a, a later person who's a part of the Asaph band. And it seemed like um, that God's people could never get a break. <laughs> um, it seemed like there's always someone that's trying to get them. And so, yeah, in the early years, it's the Midianites and the Amalekites. And as you go along, you know, it's the Moabites and the Edomites. And then it's the Philistines. And then as you go on further, it's the Assyrians. So there's always someone trying to have a go at them. And it's like a prayer against, you know, Lord, deliver us from our enemies. We're sick of being attacked. There's like always someone out to get us. Then it moves into this thing that says, Lord, may they be like Zeb and Zalmonna. And it starts listing the names of people who were defeated in very memorable ways. So um, some of the people, I think it was Sisera that got mentioned here in this psalm. I'm pretty sure he had a tent peg driven through his head by a woman that's in the book of Judges. Some of these people that were defeated their, their deaths were memorable. Um, so we talked about all of these in previous books. When we went through the book of Judges, we talked about Zeb and Zalmona, some of these people. 
And so uh, he's saying here, Lord, bring us to the end and let their deaths be like Sisera, like Zeb and Zalmama, so very memorable deaths. Let them be blown away like tumbleweeds. And um, if you're like me and you live in Australia, we generally never see a tumbleweed. My wife, she comes from, um, she's from California and she lived in a part of California called the Mojave Desert. There are tumbleweeds everywhere. And it's like, it's, it's one of the most common things you see. You're driving through the desert and they just all stuck along the side of the fences. They roll across the road. If there's no fence, they keep on going. And if there's a fence, they get stuck. And there are tumbleweeds everywhere and they're prickly and they're nasty, but they, the wind drives them along. And this Psalm is saying, Lord, drive them along. It's a great, great prayer. So, um, you know, we want to see our enemies defeated. Now I just have to explain that very quickly. We're not talking about people, of course, but we are talking about the principalities and the powers and the evil ways of thinking that drive people. So we want the people to be saved. And that's actually a gospel message. The Lord wants all people everywhere to repent and be saved. The Apostle Paul wrote that. Sometimes, um, sometimes when people are arguing, you know, I don't know if you've ever been in an argument, but pretty much everyone has. So, you know, you should have. Sometimes when we're in an argument or a disagreement with people, we just want the other person to see it our way. We want, we, we want to be vindicated. We want them to be proven wrong. We want them to be humiliated and put down. We want them to come admit to us that you were right and I was wrong. We're funny people. <laughs> and, um, but the Lord is so not like that. Now, I know there are Psalms like this that make it sound like God is angry. But the Lord actually just wants everyone to be saved. Now, the Lord does want his enemies to be driven away, but it's the, it's the evil that's behind it that he wants completely destroyed. And so uh, what we really want is we want to be reconciled with people. So when I have an argument with someone, which thank God is not all that often, let's say I have an argument with my wife, which does occasionally happen, what I want isn't to be right and for her to be wrong and for me to have the victory and for her to be proven wrong. I don't want that. What I really want is for us to be reconciled and of one heart. And if I'm wrong, I don't mind admitting it. But, but often in an argument, it's, it's you don't see it that way. You see it a different way. And I'm just happy for us to become of one heart and to find an agreement, whether I change or whether she changes. But in the end, what I want is us to be you know, agreed in one place, at peace with each other over that matter. That's what I want. And so I'm not wanting to come to a place where I'm rubbing it in and saying, aha, I told you so. That's not what I want. And that's not what God wants either. And that's not what we should want as Christians. We don't want people to come to the church and to be groveling at our feet and to saying, you were right and I'm a scumbag. And, and then we definitely don't want to say to those people, aha, there's nothing worse than trying to witness to someone and rub it in their faces that they're wrong and you're right. But sadly, a lot of Christian witnessing is like that and it drives people away from the Lord. So sometimes we have people who are like our enemies, but the truth is the people are not our enemies. It's the principalities and the powers behind them that we, that we wanna see completely humiliated, but the people themselves, we wanna see them brought into peace with us. Shalom. And so we don't want to say, aha, I was right to those people. We want to be so gracious. 
And you've got to have that attitude when you go into a discussion with someone that you know is against you because you want to win them over so that they'll become your friend. That's what Christ is like too. So if you're arguing with an atheist, they don't want to win you over. I mean, they want you to change your mind, but they want to prove you wrong and then they want to laugh at you when they do. That's not how we do it as Christians. As Christians, we want to show them that they're wrong, but it's not because we want to scorn or mock and laugh at them. It's because we want them to experience the wonderful joy of knowing Christ. We want them to come into a living, breathing relationship that can do so much for them. And um, so it's not helpful to be antagonistic. This psalm seems to advocate antagonism, but it's not. We don't take it against people, but we take it against the things that are behind the people. So if you're going to have a debate with someone that, that, that they think they're your enemy, you take this type of prayer to the situation and, and you, you take on the enemy that actually is your enemy in the prayer, but then when you go to the person, you approach them with grace, kindness, trying to win them over. No, aha, I told you so. Anything like that. Let the love of God reach out to them through you. Heavenly Father, uh, this, this man Asaph, he, he just wanted to see an end to the constant striving that went on with Israel against their enemies. And we do want to see that too. We want to see the gospel prevail and the, the struggle against the kingdom of God come to an end. And Father, I pray, make your church strong. Make your people strong. Make the word of God live. May the gospel have power. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>